Well, yeah, I'm having a hard time setting this, the input and the output for the sound because I've got this new monitor that I've been using for a little less than a week now. So it changes everything about where the sound is going to, where the sound is coming from. Uh, and this is my first time recording the podcast with this new monitor plugged into my MacBook Pro. So there's some new adjustments that I'm not used to. Wait, wait, wait. So it's changing. How does it change where the sound goes, comes from and goes to? Uh, so it used the monitor as the output sound. Okay. Does it have built-in speakers maybe? It does have built-in okay. speakers. And the other day I remember changing it because it was still playing the sound on my, I was watching a YouTube video and it was still playing the sound on the MacBook Pro. And I wanted to come out out of the monitor, so I had to change it, and that's probably why um, it uh, I was coming from the monitor right now. When I wanted to come from uh, my headphones that are plugged in the microphone, which itself is plugged in the back <laughs> of the monitor, because the, the monitor has several uh, USB-C ports on the back. So is it one cable then? One cable from your laptop to the monitor, and then you kind of use the monitor as a hub? Yes, exactly. One cable to rule them all. And uh, <laughs> if you're wondering <laughs> what uh, what monitor it is, it's the LG Ultrafine, the 27-inch version, so the smaller one, uh, the one that Apple recommends, the one that Apple sells on its website or in stores. Um, after doing extensive research uh, about what 4K monitor I should get for my MacBook Pro, you know, I always seem to circle back to the LG Ultrafine. I couldn't really find anything online um, that was very uh, satisfying to me. Uh, and uh, I last week, I took my MacBook Pro and a USB-C cable, a Thunderbolt 3 cable, went to Best Buy. I was like, I'm going to try some monitors at Best Buy. And if I don't see something at Best Buy, I'll just go to the Apple Store and try the LG Ultrafine on my MacBook Pro and uh, see if it really works for me. And I went to Best Buy, and the guy's like, oh, we don't have any USB-C monitors. So I said, well, okay, thank you. I'm going to the Apple Store. I went to the Apple Store, went straight to the monitors, uh, unplugged the demo um, Mac Mini they had plugged into the monitor, and plugged my, <laughs> plugged my MacBook Pro in there and, and started playing with it and seeing how um, simple and effortless it was, how... Uh, how well they played together, and that's that's one of the things uh, that people seems to like seem to like about the LG Ultrafine is that it's really made for for the Mac. Um, so they talk to each other very well. Um, I'm I don't have any experience with other uh, third party external monitors, um, but sometimes you have like to dig into the settings and stuff like this into the display settings and resolution, and and uh, that's something I didn't want to have to deal with. And this one. Um, was probably um, probably the best option. So as you said, there is one cable that goes from the monitor to the MacBook Pro. And as soon as I plug it in, it just mirrors what's on my MacBook Pro. I close my MacBook Pro. I don't have to use it anymore. I just um, type with uh, the magic uh, keyboard. And... Um, and uh, yeah, and, and I, there is several other USB-C ports in the back. I think there's three or four, maybe even five of them total. I think there's two Thunderbolt 3 and three USB-Cs. Much, yep. much more than I need, really. Much more than I need. Um, and so I, anything I want to plug in, I don't have to plug in directly into the computer. I can just plug in into the monitor. This is actually a pretty good uh, ideal situation for plugging in an external hard drive. I'm thinking about uh, now that I'm back into a more, uh, when I'm, now that I'm settled down, you know, I'm not moving around and stuff like this. I'm going to buy again an external hard drive and uh, to, uh, to, to do uh, time machine backups. Uh, right now, I'm just doing backups uh, with Backblaze and I'd like to have like a local backup just in case uh, because you're never too safe with that kind of stuff. Um, so in this case, I'm just going to plug in the external hard drive in the back of the monitor and you're not going to see it. I'm probably going to, I don't know, tape it to the back of the monitor or something so you don't see it. And um, and then uh, every time I plug in my MacBook Pro, it will automatically do, do the backup without having to plug it uh, directly into the MacBook Pro. 
So one keyboard to rule them all is pretty freaking awesome, Cody. This is really, really, really nice. Uh, I'm loving it so far. Uh, I feel like the price, I'm, there seem to be different options online, and some of them were uh, much less expensive than the LG Ultrafine 4K. Um, but this one, I think I ended up paying five or five fifty, which I think is, which I think is not a bad deal. I briefly considered the five K version, but it was well over a thousand dollars, and I don't really need that or that screen. I think that the, the twenty seven inch is uh, is uh, the right, the sweet spot for me. Really, is the sweet spot. I have plenty of room. Uh, but not too much. Oh, I'm uh, actually the, the monitor is six seven hundred bucks, not five fifty. And I'm looking at the seven hundred dollar. Did you get the twenty four inch model? Yeah, it's maybe? a twenty four. I'm saying twenty seven. Okay. It's twenty four. Sorry, twenty four. Yeah, twenty twenty three point seven. Right. But yeah. And you like the you like that amount of real estate versus maybe like a twenty seven. I know they even make twenty eight inches, and I think mine, while not four K, is thirty two inches. Thirty two. Yeah, that's. That's getting really big now. <laughs> well, think I used to. I for a while I used a forty-three inch, four K TV as my monitor. So yeah, yeah, I've I've downsized twenty-seven inch. I mean, from twenty-four to twenty-seven, you're thinking three inches. It's not that much, but when you have them sitting next to each other in store, it makes a big, big difference. You know, it's it's really, really big. It's the way they measure them too. Yeah. it's it's by a diagonal, right? right. It's not like they just add a, an inch up and an inch out. Right, it's, exactly, it's, exactly. It's a different kind of measurement. Yeah, it makes it makes a big difference in size. Um, so I mean, really, I'm really happy about about this um, purchase. The only thing, the only gripe I have against it is that it looks like an LG monitor. You know, it's black bezel and the black base, and it's it's not a pretty monitor. It looks like everybody right. everybody is monitor now. It's not like it's a nice Apple monitor with like aluminum or something or maybe even no bezel around. Um, that's really the only thing I have against it. And that's more uh, design uh, than actual functionality of uh, of the MacBook of the of the monitor. Yeah. It's funny you're such a aesthetics heavy person that you're just like, I don't want to another black monitor like everybody else has but i don't have the choice though that's the thing right there's no option you know i've been i've been wanting apple to make one of these i think i'm not the only one to want apple to make their own uh display and i'm not talking about the five thousand dollar pro xdr display i'm talking about you know something uh in this price range like six to a thousand six dollars six hundred to a thousand dollars and i've been waiting for for a long time now and i'm tired of waiting and I'm not even sure they're gonna be making one of these, so uh, I just uh, just just bought this. Um, I do, you know it's got a pretty big bezel around it, but I like that it's symmetrical. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like some of these monitors will have a bigger chin than a forehead, and when it's off like that, there's something I don't know. There's something that drives me nuts about that. I like that it almost you know looks like a frame around a picture. It's all even. It's not a huge bezel. But uh, at least it looks like it comes with a nice sturdy base. Are you using this base, or do you have like a monitor arm? I'm using the base. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, it looks it looks like it's uh, heavy duty and yeah, will do the trick. Yeah, and you can raise uh, the screen a little bit. You know, like the base is extendable by a little bit, and so that's that's good enough. Sure. Um, question: So, do you just have your laptop sitting on your desk, or do you have a laptop stand? I do not have a laptop laptop stand. It's sitting on the desk. As I said, it's it's closed, completely closed, and uh, yeah, it's sitting there. I was thinking for a minute of getting like one of these. Um, I don't know how you call them, like a 12, 12 South Arc or something. Yeah, like the that. Arc. One of these that keeps it closed in clamshell mode. Yeah, yeah, but I'm what's I don't know if there is a point uh, to this that would add one piece of stuff to my desk. And, you know, I'm a minimalist, so my, on my desk, I don't have too many things. And just having the MacBook Pro right here doesn't uh, take anything away from the desk, you know? Like, I still have plenty of room, and then when I'm done, I just unplug the MacBook Pro, I take it downstairs with you, uh, with me, I take it wherever I want to uh, take it. It's not, like, plugged in 24-7 right here. Usually, I, I bring it downstairs by the end of the day so that I, if I need to do something on the site uh, later at night... I can just like open the MacBook Pro, um, but uh, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna buy any of these uh, uh, stands or arcs or whatever they call these. Yeah, it's 
I've thought about doing one. Well, I mean, right now I have the laptop sits on a stand, but it's also open. So I put it right next to my other monitor and it's like I've got the dual screen experience. Mm -hmm. But there has been times where I thought about doing like an arc setup where the laptop sits closed and it sits in the stand and you can actually kind of tuck it behind the monitor and it takes up a lot less space. But Mm -hmm. uh, I think I was running into problems with that idea because there are. You can't always have the laptop closed, right? If there's a restart or I don't know, there was definitely some certain cir- circumstances where I was like, oh, I have to open this laptop. There's nothing else I can do here. Yeah. And uh, so anyways, so you like the monitor, yeah? Yeah, I really, really, really like it. And and well, actually, that's going to dictate my the future of my computing. Now that I bought this thing, I kind of made the point that I'm not getting an iMac anymore. And I don't know if you remember, but a few weeks or months ago, we were discussing it. Like, what am I going to do? Am I going to get an iMac or am I going to get another MacBook Pro? Well, now that I made this $700 investment in or purchase, right. I, I, I think I'm kind of tied to buying... Uh, another MacBook Pro, or I could, I guess, get, get a Mac Mini. Uh, not something I want to do. I think I like the lifestyle, uh, or <laughs> maybe not the lifestyle. <laughs> no, that's the perfect word. That's going in the title somewhere. <laughs> I like the I like the laptop lifestyle. <laughs> no, the lifestyle of yes, plugging, having just one computer instead of two, which I I did before moving to France. Right, I had two. I had my iMac, and then I had the MacBook Pro. But that was kind of redundant. And especially having a MacBook Pro was way too much for a secondary uh, computer. So I think going forward, unless something uh, changes and, you know, I I change my mind relatively (laughs) easily. But unless something uh, drastic happens, I think I'm just going to get whatever new MacBook Pro, uh, 13-inch MacBook Pro comes out next. And I'm I'm waiting for... um, the next generation, a redesign, not just a speed bump. You know, I'm looking, I'm waiting now for the next generation, whenever that's going to be, if it's this year or the following year. I know my, my MacBook Pro is coming on to three years. It's going to be three years in December. Um, so it's about, it's about time I change it. It's still very much capable of doing everything I throw at it. Um, but uh, if there's a new one coming, I think I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be making another expensive purchase. Now, my... What runs through my head a little bit is with you in that setup, you can imagine with your laptop closed, that touch bar is now meaningless to you when you're at your desk. Oh, that's right. That's a really good point. Yes. This input method. And that's really what I thought of when I purchased my 13 inch MacBook, I think two or three years ago now. Um, The touch bar was available, but I got the non-touch bar model because I thought, you know, 90% of the time I'm docked at the desk and it's either going to be out of reach, right, because it's up on a monitor arm and it's not convenient, or I'm going to have the thing closed and I'm just not going to be able to use it. So have you grown so accustomed to using it that it's kind of a bummer now that it's not available? Um, what's your stance there? No. Uh, so I'm fine with losing the touch bar when I'm, uh, when I'm at the desk. And when I'm not at the desk, I can still use the touch bar. This is ex- um, really when I like when I use the touch bar the most is on Mondays when... <laughs> I'm not at home, and when I'm editing the podcast, I I have a couple um, shortcuts in Logic that I use uh, that are pretty co- pretty convenient on the Touch Bar, um, but I use this very rarely because usually I'm using my my um, my Magic uh, keyboard with it, so the right. the computer is already too far away to for me to use the Touch Bar, or I'm not I'm on the road I'm at I'm at my in-laws or something. And then I don't even have my keyboard. I just have the computer. Um, but what I really miss, Cody, is not the touch bar. What I really miss is what's next to the touch bar. And that's, that's touch ID. This yeah. is to me kind, like this is the biggest drawback I have. And remember, I'm not using an Apple Watch anymore. So I don't even have the... That way to open it. That, you know? that way to unlock my, uh, my computer. For example, and that's that's kind of annoying, uh, but it's it's somewhat of a minor annoyance, right? I just need to uh, unlock one password once uh, in the morning, and then one password uh, is unlocked for 
uh, several hours unless I leave my computer for a couple hours and, and attend it. I think it locks itself out again or something. Um, but it's it is a minor annoyance, but it is it is kind of an <laughs> it is a small annoyance, but it is actually a pretty big one. I'm I'm yeah. I'm dealing with it. I'm dealing with it. Uh, but every time I have to enter the password. It reminds me of of this annoyance because it's something that happens daily. You know, it's not something that happens like from time to time. It's every time I use the monitor, I'm locked out of uh, of uh, Touch ID, and that's really the biggest drawback. Yeah, maybe maybe the biggest drawback is not the design of the monitor. It's by extension of using this monitor, I'm just losing Touch ID, and that's probably the biggest issue I have. Yeah, I'm surprised Apple hasn't uh, either produced or at least kind of hinted or there hasn't been any leaks found of them working on an external keyboard with the touch bar you would think if they were really all in on that as an input method that we would see uh, a new generation of the magic keyboard i guess they don't update that thing very often right that's no. like in every five years or something yeah. so maybe there's one coming down the pipeline but i've been just kind of holding out because i would be very interested in something like that um especially for the touch id yeah Definitely. I, f- I find it funny. I just I want in like three weeks for you to like share a picture on Instagram of you with two Apple Watches. And you're just like, <laughs> whatever, I'm dealing with it. You know, like <laughs> I'll never have to type in my password again, you jerks. <laughs> and actually, I have my Apple my Apple Watch just right here on the desk. It's been sitting there. It's, oh, it's already collecting dust. There is dust on it. Um yeah. Or you wear it and your new watch. I should I should just decide. wear the watch, you know, like, like yeah, when I get to the desk. <laughs> just show up at the desk, put the watch on. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I picture you in the Apple store buying this monitor, but like watching a full feature length film, like two and a half hours. You're just like, sorry, guys. I'm, you know, don't mind me. I'm just checking out this monitor. That was pretty much it. And I, I, <laughs> I, I feel pretty, I feel right at home in in an apple store i feel like sure. i feel like i could just go in the back open the fridge you know uh, <laughs> open a beer sit down and be like what's up jim <laughs> you grab somebody's power aid uh, yeah. just like, <laughs> hey hey bob you're gonna finish this yogurt <laughs> are you gonna be at tina's tuesday yeah <laughs> no but I, I showed up in the store and i i don't you know i don't browse around i know exactly what i'm going to why i'm going in this store last week you know i had my computer sure. and my cable with me and I walk straight to the monitors. I know exactly where they are. I, I walk straight there and I start like unplugging the thing. And then there is like this <laughs> older Apple store employee is like, um, looks like I don't have to help you with anything. You already helped yourself, right? <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, I'm just trying it on my computer. It's like, yeah, no problem. Like, let me know if you have any question or anything like this. But, you know, he was like, man, you feel right at home here, right? <laughs> right. Now, the biggest question, did you pay for the monitor with your Apple Card? Uh, and the answer is no, uh, oh. because I, uh, it's a business expense. And my Apple, oh, my, yeah, 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 my yeah, Apple card, card, yeah, my Apple card is, is my personal card. Uh, I wish there was um, a way to do this. Uh, to have like a business Apple card, maybe in the future, but uh, yeah, because it's a business expense, I I put it on my uh, on the Business American Express. Okay, but did you get it from Apple? Or did you find it at a cheaper price elsewhere? Or maybe Apple's the only one that sells this model, eh? I don't know. I didn't even look. I went to Apple. I wanted I wanted the monitor today, or you know, the the day I I, I went. I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to get it shipped. I didn't, and I wanted it. I was tired of typing on my tiny thirteen inch. And I just wanted to be settled in my office. And now I am. I gotcha. Well, have you been using your Apple Card much at all since you activated it last week? Yeah. And and funny enough, um, I was kind of dismissive about about the Apple Card and how much I would use it. And then I did a little audit of my my own credit cards, which I don't have many um, personal credit cards. I have two personal credit cards on American Express. And a capital one, and um, I was like, okay, what kind of benefits I get, or how many points or cashback or whatever you know I get for on these? And then I realized that I was collecting less than I thought. I less points or miles or cashback, whatever you wanted the conversion rate to be. Um, I I was collecting less on the cards that I thought I did, and. Then it led me to realize that 
the Apple card would actually be a good deal for me to use compared to my existing credit cards. And I, I spent actually several hours, I think, over the weekend uh, doing some math, like looking at the categories where I spend money on my American Express, the categories where I spend money on my personal, on my um, Capital One, and what kind of points I get per category and everything, and how much these credit cards are. Um, the Capital One is free, but the American Express has a fee attached to it. But my wife has, nah. so I did a bunch of, ran a bunch of numbers, and turns out that for for the money I spend, uh, it's not really worth. Uh, Actually, it is worth for me to use the um, uh, the Apple Pay card uh, as much as I can when it is uh, through um, contactless payment. So through um, uh, you know through the wallet app, uh, using the physical card, which I should receive actually tomorrow, is not going to be worth it because it's only one percent cashback. Um, but it's two percent when you use Apple Pay, like for example, at Target or at the store, um, right. using contactless uh, without contact. So this is going to be worth it. So I'm I've started using um, Apple the Apple Card everywhere I go and pay for my phone. I went to Target this morning. I walked to Target, and I didn't even bring my wallet because I knew I could pay with my uh, Apple uh, Apple Cash Apple Card. Oh, these names are so confusing to me. The right. Apple Card, and uh, yeah, I, I just I just put as pretty much as much as I can uh, for non. Uh, expensive items. So if I buy something expensive, if I buy a flight ticket, for example, or if I buy something that kind of requires some sort of insurance or maybe extra warranty, I'll put this on the American Express because it has great warranty and stuff like this. But for everyday items, you know, going to the grocery store or buying a pair of shoes or everyday kind of items like this, I I am going to put it on the Apple Card. Okay. Yeah. That's an interesting take on it, a nice little breakdown. I have not uh, even applied or been asked to apply or given any kind of notification. I haven't done your little trick yet. I've, um, I guess the jury's still out for me. I'm kind of thinking. About, I mean, I think I'm eventually going to get the card, but I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just not in any rush to do it really uh, at the moment. So um, that's kind of where I'm at on there. But that's an interesting perspective on you, who's been using it for what is that about a week now? Uh, yeah, just about a week because remember last week I applied for it and got approved for it on this very podcast. On the show, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, just a little sidetrack here: having been away from the United States or from Southern California in two years, there's been tremendous progress made on Apple Pay adoption or contactless payment adoptions in within stores. I remember like two years ago. Target was not even an option for paying with your with Apple Pay, and now you can do this at Target. That's a pretty big deal. That's a store where we shop quite a bit. Um, there's a bunch of uh, little places like this where I've noticed that I can now use Apple Pay where it wasn't the case in uh, in the past. So I'm I'm pretty happy to see that to see this uh, adopt adoption of Apple Pay being growing and growing. Yeah, that's another uh, area where I'm still kind of lagging behind. I don't use Apple Pay very much. I think I'm still, you know, maybe it's like a self-conscious thing where you're still kind of nervous, like, okay, I'm going to try this new thing, and if it doesn't work, I'm going to look like an idiot, and I don't see a bunch of other people using it. But, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting just from the different areas we're in, and I guess, you know, the fact that you've used it. So it wasn't available anywhere, really, in France, or did you uh, find no. some areas? In France, it was available everywhere. And, oh, okay. it, I mean... The United States is very late on a lot of things, you know, very, very late. Sure. And and uh, contactless payment is one of these things. Like in, I think, everywhere in Europe, uh, you can pay pretty much everywhere um, without inserting a, or swiping a credit card. Uh, so that's Apple Pay, for example, but that's also uh, NFC chips that are inside credit cards. So sometimes you can go to the store and tap your credit card without inserting it or anything like this. You just tap it on the payment system and it, it's kind of like using Apple Pay on your phone, except you're tapping the card on the, on the thing. Um, but what I was comparing to is uh, to two years ago when I was yeah. here in San Diego, where here in San Diego, and that was a thing, I, I, I don't know if you remember also, like we were discussing it and I was saying, like, I can't use Apple Pay because it's not accepted anywhere. Like the only place where they would take Apple Pay is Starbucks or something. There was like really not many locations here in uh, the San Diego area, but this has changed a lot and I'm, 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 I'm happy about this. Yeah, I would argue that thanks to Apple, honestly, uh, I think they help keep 
America or the country just not on the cutting edge, but help kind of help us keep pace. Because you're right. I think we fall behind, especially like Asia and stuff and a lot of these things. Yeah. Uh, but because Apple is, you know, based out of the U.S. and they release a lot of their stuff as U.S. only for a while, uh, I think they help keep us afloat there. Yeah. Um, I, I got to ask you about one more purchase you made here. <laughs> Um, that's in the show notes. It says uh, you picked up a new keyboard for your iPad Pro. Yes. So this one is not a purchase. This one was a review sample. Oh, like a demo. Yeah, yeah a review sample sent by uh, the people at Bridge. Uh, it's the Bridge Pro uh, keyboard for my 11-inch iPad Pro. Um, first time I really use an external keyboard or a keyboard with the iPad. You know, I tried to pair my uh, Magic uh, Keyboard with the iPad before and I tapped it, but that was not that convenient, you know, like to have like these two pieces, like independent of each other. Um, and, um, and when did I receive the, the bridge? I think I got it on Wednesday or Thursday. And, uh, there are two hinges. You basically slide your, um, your, uh, iPad, your iPad into the two hinges. And then it acts as a laptop, so you have, uh, and it really looks like a laptop. Actually, it looks like a mini, uh, in a mini uh, MacBook Air or something. And I'm loving it so far, Cody. This has really changed. It's not going to be news for anyone who's been using a keyboard uh, with an iPad, but this really changed the way I use my iPad and how much I use my iPad. Really, because now I can effortlessly have an iPad and then turn it into. Uh, more of a laptop configuration uh, with uh, with the keyboard, and I can adjust the angle of the screen as much as I want. You know, it's not like I'm I'm tied to one or two orientations. I can just put it in any uh, any angle I want. This is this is really neat. I've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of my what I call my morning work. Uh, that's the stuff I do every morning for IDB stuff that you might not see, but that happens in the background. Um, that that I've been doing a lot on on my iPad using the the bridge keyboard, that in combination of the Apple Pencil, and I feel like I'm I can really start to get things done. Now I'm still being um being like slowed down by iOS or iPad OS. I feel like stuff is still not there, like the so-called desktop class Safari, I think it's still not desktop class. I think we're still far from it. It's They made great progress, but we're still far from having a desktop class version of Safari. Copy-pasting for some stuff sometimes in Safari is just uh, like a 40-second ordeal just to copy a sentence when it would take like five seconds, I mean, two seconds on a computer with a mouse. But it's getting better, and I can do uh, I can do uh, much more uh, with the with the Bridge Pro. Um, now, granted, you know I'm not. It's just a, a keyboard, and I'm sure there are tons of different keyboards that are just as great. That's the only one I've used. Uh, but it's really uh, changed the way I use I use the iPad to a point where I'm gonna be traveling. I'm actually going back to France uh, next week. Uh, for a oh wow! I'm, hey, believe it or not, I'm going to France for the weekend. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Seriously, I'm going to Paris for the weekend. There is a wedding, and I have to go because it's my cousin. And uh, yeah, we're flying. We're making basically a, a weekend in Paris. Uh, so I I think uh, I'm just going to be traveling with my iPad and uh, and the Bridge Pro on that trip. That's typically I never ever travel anywhere uh without uh without my macbook pro uh, because if something happens on the side i have to be able to uh to do things uh and i feel like i'm i'm feeling pretty confident that uh this configuration is going to be enough so i still have a week to change my mind but i think i'm just going to travel light and bring the ipad the pencil and the bridge keyboard and leave the the MacBook Pro at home. That's how confident I am in this new setup. Wow! Yeah, that's a huge, huge boat of confidence there. Um, so you don't think iPad Pro has made any kind of difference in terms of? Because to me, it seems like okay, iPad Pro. That's a huge step up. Now you've got the keyboard. To me, it feels like this would be a huge leap forward over your previous iPad experience. Um, so you just don't think it's there yet? Hmm. It is better. It's not there yet to me. 
they're still okay. I'm still I still feel like I have to jump for hoops. Uh, he I had an example uh, a few minutes ago. Example a few minutes ago, I before we started recording, I was trying to uh, copy a Dropbox link from Skype, and I just couldn't. It just wouldn't work. And every time I tried to click the link, it would open the the Dropbox app on my iPad. I wanted to go to the web version of Dropbox. Couldn't do it. I just couldn't. It just wouldn't work. And that's that's the kind of little things where I'm like, this would not happen on the desktop. I would just uh, right-click, copy the link, go to the desktop, and be done. Right. So it, it's better not... It's better to me, not there yet. I'm sure some people might, would have different workflows or different needs, really, uh, uh, in their computing... Uh, they might have different opinions, but to me, it's uh, we're not there quite yet. Okay. Uh, any other thoughts about the bridge? Does it say anything about battery life? Or uh, I have no idea about battery life. <laughs> uh, it's you know, I feel like keyboards are made to nowadays are made to last like a year or more. I feel like it's so long that it, they don't even have to really tell you up front because it's just not something you're going to worry about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about about the the life uh, of uh, of this battery. I just know that it charges with uh, for USB-C. So great move, great decision because the iPad Pro charges for USB-C. So it's one cable to charge the two, uh, both the iPad Pro and, and, uh, and the keyboard. So I think that was a great choice here. Um, what about you thought about taking a mouse with you? Yes. Next step is going to be pairing my magic mouse, uh, with, uh, the iPad pro and see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, for those who, who maybe weren't aware of this cool little feature, I know we've talked about on here before, but it's an accessibility feature. So it's not like Apple saying, Hey, this iPad's used to be, you know, made to be used with a mouse. They're saying, Hey, if you have, uh, trouble, you know, with accessibility with the iPad, how it is, they're going to allow you to pair a mouse and it won't exactly work like a mouse on a regular laptop or a computer. You know, you don't have this free flowing cursor, but it will move from icon to icon or section to section and let you move it around almost like you're using your finger to touch on things. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I want to talk to you about some of these iPhone uh, and Apple Arcade reports, but first let's get a break and get a word from our sponsor. Yes, I'm going to talk two more minutes, and then Cody, I let you, I let you have a little chat uh, because I feel like I've been talking nonstop for 30 minutes. This episode of Let's Talk iOS is brought to you by Blinkist. If you feel like you can't find the time to read all the books on your list, you're not alone. Blinkist is an app that compiles the key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books. Everything you need to know is condensed down into 15 minutes that you can read or listen to with the app. Uh, Blinkist is pretty unique and it works on your phone, tablet, or web browser. You'll find everything from health and self-help titles to history and business books included in Blinkist uh, library. So basically, Blinkist is a library with thousands of different books you can choose from. And instead of having to read the entire book, uh, you can read uh, what they call blinks. Uh, it's like summaries of each chapter or the main ideas of the book. So instead of, of spending uh, 27 hours uh, reading this one book, uh, you can spend about 15 minutes uh, reading the key takeaways from it or listening to the key takeaways from it because uh, there is also audio versions of every uh, blinks. Um, I have a couple of recommendations for those of you who want to try uh, the application. The first recommendation I have is a book called Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. And Sapiens uh, traces the a book about that traces the evolution of our species. And uh, it shows the development and trends that have allowed uh, Homo sapiens to rise to the top and allow us today to talk about uh, Blinkist, for example. And the other example or the other recommendation I have, I think I've mentioned this one before. It's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. I feel like this is the perfect kind of book for Blinkist because uh, the paperback version, I think, has about a couple hundred pages and there's a lot of fluff in, in these couple hundred pages. What you really want to get to is the meat of it. And that's where Blinkist shines because it takes the key uh, takeaways 
the key things you need to know uh, and and condenses it into into 15 minutes. So the benefit is pretty clear, right? Uh, you're saving time. You can read uh, you can get the key takeaways from dozens of books without having to read paperback version or the full version of dozens of books. And, and this is a great time saver and allows you to get um, much more information in uh, much less time. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. So it's important to know it's unlimited. You don't have, you know, you don't have like the choice to, to, to get one book or one blink a month. It's just unlimited access. If you want to read or listen to 40 books a day, you can do this. All the book you want and all for one low price. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer for Let's Talk iOS listeners. Go to Blinkist.com slash iOS to start your free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist.com slash iOS. B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash iOS. What is Apple going to call their next iPhone? Uh, the next iPhone. We are introducing the, new, the, the next iPhone. iPhone. <laughs> or, remember when they just did the new iPad? Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> that was, that was kind of confusing because... It's ridiculous <laughs> to think about. It, yeah. yeah. So this is a new iPad and this is the old iPad. Now, that was kind of confusing, but uh, I don't think they're going to do something like this with the iPhone. Uh, what's the word on the street about uh, the naming convention? Well, the old iPhone Pro um, uh, moniker is rearing its ugly head again. I feel like we've heard rumors of the I- iPhone Pro for years now, right? Like this is just something that pops up every once in a while. Apple has lines of Pro products. They have the Mac Pro and the MacBook Pro and the iPad Pro. So why don't they have an iPhone Pro? Um, well, this latest report comes uh, from the French blog iPhone Soft, and they say that they have obtained a spreadsheet sourced from a budget iPhone uh, case manufacturer that uh, shows iPhone 11 Pro. The iPhone, well, I guess let's say the whole lineup. So it shows the iPhone 11, the iPhone 11 Pro, and the iPhone 11 Pro Max. So that would likely be the larger, higher end device. Um, and the word pro has popped up a few times over the past couple of weeks, too. So this isn't the first report we're hearing of pro. But it definitely leaves you wondering. I know we always kind of do this, right? We always kind of speculate on what Apple's going to call the next iPhone. Usually, especially with Apple, the more boring you know, answer is usually the correct one. They're not ones to just blow it out of the water and go crazy. They're not going to call this, you know, the... Uh, I can't even think of a crazy enough name for Apple right now, but I, I think they're going to stick with I. It's just, you know, it's tough when they are in Roman numerals now, right? Do you think that changes the game a little bit that they're at? They're currently at iPhone 10s, right? Well, it's just for, you know, clarity's sake, let's just keep it at that. They're at iPhone 10s. They had an iPhone 10, iPhone 10s. Now, where do we go from here? Because you. I don't, do you keep using Roman numerals for iPhone 11? Do you? I, I don't know. What, what's your take on this? I don't think you keep using Roman numeral. It worked great for the, the 10 because it makes an X, iPhone X, iPhone 10, and that looks good. And but you you can't uh, you can't keep doing this, especially. I think people, are, most people in general, I don't think are very knowledgeable into uh, Roman numeral reading. So an X, you can get behind it, you know, it's, you know, uh, a 10, but then it can get much more complex. An X and an I, well, it's 11, but does anybody, can everybody make that, um, you know, uh, put the dots together? I I don't know. I don't think, I, I don't think they're going to go to Roman numerals, really. Um, and I'm liking this uh, new naming pattern uh, that's being rumored here. Like iPhone 11 would be, would re- would be the iPhone as we know it today as the iPhone uh, 10R, so the, the next version of the 10R. So that would be the base model, right? 11 is right. base model, and then you have the iPhone 11 Pro. Now that's the 10s, right? That's the t- the the actual 10s, the new update to the 10s, and then with the OLED screen. Yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, that's the one that I have, and then you have the iPhone 11 Pro Max. Now more of a mouthful, right? With the the Max makes it quite a mouthful to me. Uh, but I do get, 
I do like the idea of of the pro category of iPhone. And it's something I've wanted actually for a very long time. I've always wanted a, a pro iPhone. And I feel like I'm not going to really get what, what, I, what Apple is doing. Like is just changing names. It's not necessarily making a pro iPhone, but calling an iPhone a pro device. And so that's not really what I wanted, but I think from a, a branding standpoint, it, it really makes sense when you have the iPad pro and you have the, uh, MacBook Pro, and you have the iMac Pro, and you have the Mac Pro. If you want some sort of consistency across your line of product, which it seems Apple is leaning towards doing now, you know, it was a mess up to like a year or two ago. Like the line of product was a complete mess. But now it seems that everything start like they are cleaning up the line, killing products, renaming products to make it uh, more, um, uh, more uh, sens- uh, sensible. Sensible or sensitive? Sensible. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's a good move. And I think, that's, I think that this is more than a rumor. I think there is truth behind this rumor. And I, and I believe that this is what we're going to see uh, comes September. Yeah. See, I'm not as convinced. I've been fooled by the pro moniker once or twice before. Uh, again, I've just always, kind of how you just laid it out there, I've always r- rationalized it with saying... Apple wants some continuity between its lines. You know, they want some uh, similarities. They want there to be some kind of recognizable pattern for consumers. Like, okay, I can get this model, which is great for everybody, or I can get the step-up model and have access to features that are normally reserved for pro users and power users and things like that. Um, So I'm not quite quite ready to to admit that I think pro is going to happen. It's... uh, I don't like that they would say iPhone 11 Pro either. If they were going to go Pro, I'd want them to just drop the the number, the number there and yeah. just say and just say Pro again, just like they do with their MacBook Pros, just like they do with their um, with their iPad Pro. When I was just looking at this uh, at this Amazon description page for the bridge keyboard you were talking about, it said works with third generation iPad Pro, right? So. I think Apple could get away with the same thing here with the iPhone saying this is the second generation iPhone Pro and just keep climbing from there. Because otherwise, we, we've we mentioned this so many times over the years, but what's Apple's end game with the nomenclature here? Are they, is there really going to be an iPhone 20 some someday? Right. Or maybe they can come back to iPhone 20 if they feel like, hey, that's a really cool you know anniversary. Let's do that. But think about like an iPhone 17 max pro you know like it's just it gets really weird yeah so i'm not saying right now is the perfect time for them to drop the numbers um i just think they're kind of in a weird spot especially with the iphone 10r i think that's a weird model to try to follow up um and i guess we're skipping the iphone 9 altogether because we went from the 8 to the 10 and now we're on 11 and um so i think they're just in a weird spot right now and it's really tough for me to tell i, I just again being skeptical, having been fooled by the pro, you know, name before, and having been fooled by these case manufacturers before, right? I don't have to remind everybody yeah. of the teardrop incident of 2000, what was that, 11, 2010, 2011, where we all thought this dramatically reshaped, awesome looking iPhone was coming, only to get basically an S version of the previous year's model. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little more skeptical here, but I'm. Interested to see, you know, this makes it a little more exciting. Like, hey, how's Apple going to swing this? You know, we're expecting three models, three iPhone models again, like last year. And for those who haven't been keeping up with the rumors, really the biggest difference we're we're anticipating is this new camera module on the back that has three lenses. And it's about the ugliest thing you've ever seen uh, in in a square form. But, you know, I think most people are using cases or they're just not looking at the back of their phone. So I just, I don't know if it's going to be a huge problem, but I'm hoping that for such an eyesore of a, of a camera module, uh, I'm hoping it's going to bring a a massive bump in the phone's uh, photography capabilities. I think you said it all. (laughs) I think you did it, Cody. Um, Okay. There was one last kind of little topic I want to talk about just because I know that you're not much of a gamer. Uh, But uh, there was a report that actually came out just a few minutes, not too long before we started recording this podcast, but uh, there was some uh, promotional material found deep hidden in the code of iOS uh, by, uh, is it Guillermo? 
from over at nine to five Mac, and it shows four ninety nine per month for uh, the Apple's arcade service. And for those that don't recall, I think this was debuted back in March. They said, hey, we're going to make a gaming subscription service and we're going to have over 100 titles at launch. And it's going to be all this exclusive, you know, game and content from all these top notch developers. And you're going to want to play it like you're going to want to be involved. Forget in-app purchases and all that crazy stuff. Just pay us a fee per month and you're going to get access. And they even opened up iOS and their other platforms to support the PlayStation 4 controllers. Right. These are very popular controllers. And they said, hey, we're going to support them and. I think even the Xbox controllers were mentioned in there, but um, so Apple seems to be taking this new kind of more aggressive approach to gaming and Apple Arcade as its subscription service. For so, my question to pose to you is: if it's really five bucks a month, and I think there's a free trial in there, um, a month free trial, but if it's really five bucks a month, is this something that at all interests you? Who really? I know of two games you played: um, Ocean Horn, yeah, and uh, Paperclip Factory. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you did okay. So you did the the smash smash yeah, hit, right? Yeah, yeah. You, and I actually kind of got stuck on that game for a little bit. That was a fun game, but I know of three games you played in your life. <laughs> and um, Alto's Adventure too, on uh, oh, especially on Apple yeah. TV. I, it's I think yeah. it's better on Apple TV than it is on uh, on the phone. Um, so that's uh, basically yeah. You pretty much <laughs> summed up all my gaming experience. <laughs> that's my extent. That's my extent of gaming. So this clearly doesn't. It's not aimed at you, right? It's not aimed at somebody who's played four games in their whole life. <laughs> is uh, I mean, does it just knowing that the level of content and and the type of games that might show up? I think they're going to be very similar to like the Altos uh, yeah. adventure. I think they're going to be along those lines. Does this appeal to you at all for four ninety nine, or does it need to be lower price, or is no price going to reel you in? Um, four ninety nine is not bad at all. I think that's one of the numbers. Uh, I came up with when we first talked about this. You, you know, we were like mentioning like prices at, at ten bucks a month. It's definitely a no go for me. And I think some people were were thinking it was going to be ten to fifteen dollars a month. Uh, that's crazy town for a non gamer like me. But at four ninety nine, it's the price I was thinking that I would you know uh, question myself like is that something I want to subscribe to? And it's really not necessarily for me, Cody. But you know, I have two kids. And they're they're still very young, and they are they like to play these games on Apple TV, but I I I don't buy games on Apple TV because I'm not a gamer and I don't know what games are good. Um, I don't know if my kids are gonna play them, so I never buy any games and I get the free versions of every game. And then after a while, you know, like you get stuck or like they're trying to force you to buy like bigger cars or whatever, like jet engines or whatever crap they're selling. Um, and, and that's annoying because I have my, my, my son, especially, uh, would sometimes get stuck on the screen and be like, uh, dad, like I'm stuck here. Like, wait, where do I go? What do I do? And it's the screen where they're trying to have him buy something. And that's happened more and more in the past few weeks to a point where I was, uh, thinking in my head that depending on the price of that Apple Arcade, uh, subscription, I might get a subscription for not for me, but for my kids to play in a safe environment, uh, safe in the, in the, in the sense that uh, in in two ways, uh, safe financially, financially safe, where I know that I'm not gonna rake up like crazy bills you know, with in-app purchases. They're not gonna be slowed down by in-app purchases. They're not gonna be tempted or uh, anything related to in-app purchases because there's going to be no in-app purchase. And it's going to be safe, of course, because it's going to be highly curated. There's not going to be any violence. You know, you're not going to get a, a guy like uh, shoot another guy in the head to steal his car or something like this. So um, I, I feel pretty good about this. And the good thing is there's going to be a, a free trial, right? The rumor right now says there's going to be a free trial, but of course there's going to be a free trial, of course. And... Uh, if it's a month or if it's three months, doesn't matter. It's going to give us, I think, enough time uh, to me and my children to uh, really see if it's worth paying five bucks a month. And uh, and uh, I guess we'll figure it out after 30 days. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually, uh, you made a really good point there. Uh, because I think I saw in the report as well that this service is going to be family, it'll support family share plans. So everybody who's on the iTunes account uh, 
uh, will have access to these games and this service. And I think that's a big deal, especially for families with kids. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Is that's you're you're more of a gamer than I am, but you're you're more like a, a real gamer, you know, like a mobile gamer, <laughs> right? It's like PlayStation and Xbox and real gaming, right? Yeah, and I'm most it's so funny. I Okay, I play two games really. Um, well, maybe let's call it three. I play FIFA, which is like a soccer game, and that's really me. Like, if I'm gonna play video games, I usually want them to either be very sports heavy or very like just at, like shoot like first person shooters. Like, I'm not gonna play an RPG and build up a character and go collect all the coins in the field and run around with you know unicorns and stuff. That's not me. I just can't sit there for that and do that. But I do like the, you know, the first person shooters and I do like the sports game. And those just don't translate very well onto iOS, right? Onto the phone. There's just, you know, it's just different, different input methods. So if I'm going to play a game on the phone, it's usually like you recommended that smash one to me. It's got to be like a one touch, you know, uh, Twitch type of game, like fast Twitch or maybe like an endless runner, just something that's very simple to play, very arcade-like, and there's not a lot to... I don't need, like, multiple buttons, multiple fingers, multiple moves, because that's just... It's just not comfortable on the phone. Um, so, gosh, I don't know. Five bucks is definitely a better price than ten bucks. <laughs> that's No that's way. My, that's my, <laughs> that's my uh, summation of all of this. This is what I gather, is that five bucks is a better price. No, I, I'll definitely try the do the free trial. I just, again, I'm not going to find a bunch of Alto's adventures and these very kind of artsy and quirky games. Like, yeah. look at these quirky characters and how funny is this? And I, it's just, it's tough for me to imagine paying five bucks a month for that just because I don't, I don't download games that often. I've got a few select games that I play when I'm really just that bored, or maybe I just need that much of a break from reality, right? You're like, okay, if I can do this for 10 minutes and not think about anything else, I can jump back into it. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, even at $2, I'm not seeing a super huge value for this, especially for the mobile gaming. Now, the fact that it includes Apple TV, I think there's still room to grow there for Apple and its game categories. I think there's a lot of room yeah. to grow there, and they could make that content better. And if that content started to get a lot better, um, then I could see it being a real threat at 5 bucks. I could be like, okay, I could make... You know, I could justify this because I'm playing this on Apple TV and it's awesome. Um, but right now, I just feel like that set of games is targeted at somebody else. Like, even not even just a casual gamer, but you've got to really appreciate the non-super intensive action type games. And I, we don't know all the launch titles, so I could be kind of way off here. There could be this awesome FIFA 2020 uh in this launch title but i just i doubt it i i think i see the type of games they're going for this really indie you know it's got an original soundtrack and you know it's got nostalgic graphics and i just that's not really my cup of tea all right doomed to fail <laughs> you heard it here first guys <laughs> uh no i'm again this is just another one of those things where i'm having a trouble i'm having a hard time uh pegging what Apple's rollout strategy is going to be and what the launch content's going to look like. And, you know, so I'm, I'm interested, you know, I'm anxious to see how Apple pulls this off. We all know that Google's launching or maybe they already have launched. I haven't been keeping too up with it too good, but, uh, they're streaming, uh, gaming service. Uh, so Apple's got some competition there and they've got some people to win over because, you know, five years ago, I think I could have made a passionate speech about how Apple was going to take over gaming. Right. We were starting. To, we were getting all those reports yeah. that with iPhones and I, with iPhones and iPods and even iPads at the time, Apple was taking over handheld gaming. You know, they were three times the devices that Nintendo and Sega had, and they were hiring up. They were picking up these gaming executives from like Activision and Nintendo, and we were writing the reports. And I could have stood on a hill and told you, in five years, Apple's going to be bigger than you know their gaming arm is going to be bigger than PlayStation. Uh, but I just feel like they've kind of dropped the ball, you know, it's just they kind of either put it on the back burner or maybe just have been making the wrong choices. But it's just definitely not that to me anymore. They found this nice little niche almost in the Nintendo arena, right, where it's just like these casual gamers with like these fun, you know, quirky type games. Um, so I'm not I'm not ready to announce them kings again until we see what they have to offer. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good take. I think that's a good, very good take. 
Yep. Um, but five bucks, you can't, I mean, you can't fault them for that price point. They, they can't have huge margins for them if they're really paying these developers what they're, um, what we would think that they would pay them. And, uh, I'm still looking out for them to come start combining some of these services in a bundle, right? We've talked about that before, mm-hmm. but, um, Apple seems to be ramping up that TV plus service. They're releasing more and more of these trailers. We just saw a new one come out this morning for a TV show that they're producing. Um, and uh, between that and between iCloud and uh, Apple Music, you just I'm looking for them to offer a bundle at some point that will let you have all these services for uh, one low, low price. It's all about the subscription. Monthly recurring payment. Hey, do you, have, uh, do you pay for extra iCloud? Yes, I do. I pay $2.99 a month for 500 gigabytes. I don't remember. I I, I know it's two ninety. You might have you might have a terabyte at that price because I'll tell you what they got me finally. Oh yeah, it's it's been a couple of weeks, but they got me. Uh, I think I signed up for it like maybe last month or something. I wait. I just never mentioned it on here, but I just thought of it and they got me for that ninety nine cents a month. They uh, I'll tell you what. I just I never really thought about it, but I automatically had like my iPhone and then my iPad when I had it, I had them auto back up to iCloud for me just because. I don't know what I'm saving on there necessarily. Maybe photos or text because I don't really use the um, the photo library. I don't really use iCloud photo library like that. Uh, but I whatever it was backing up, it was doing it for me. And then obviously your free five gigs fills up super quick when you're doing that. And I tell you what, Apple was relentless. Like in terms of spam, this is the worst spam I've probably ever gotten in a concentrated amount of time. It was just like your iCloud storage is full. Your iCloud storage is full. And it was just showing up in the top right-hand corner of my Mac. It was showing up in my email daily, if not multiple times a day. I was getting alerts because my phone would try to do a backup and it'd be like not enough storage. And so I was like, I thought I turned the backups off because I'm not too worried about it. And it was weeks of this. And again, I'm telling you, Apple is relentless. Like the only way it could have made it worse is if they were calling me to like, hey, Cody, we see here that your iCloud's full. Um, so finally I just went, you know what? And they make it so easy too. I was like, add more storage. And they were like 99 cents, two ninety nine, or 10 99 or whatever it is. And I was like, all right, I'll do the cheapest one. Leave me alone. So I am in there. I am in their ecosystem of cloud storage just by sheer insanity. <laughs> it was driving me nuts. It, 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 think of how frustrated people get with like spam calls. You know, you start getting three or four a day. You're like, who gave away my information? This is ridiculous. But this was worse than that. This was like leading to like, it was threatening my sanity. And so I just said, you know what? Fine. Cause I thought I turned off every setting possible that would keep them from alerting me. I was like, okay, no more auto backups. Uh, no more saving anything in the cloud. I deleted a bunch of stuff off of iCloud that I thought just wasn't needed. And I thought I freed up like two gigs. And then literally like a day later, it's like iCloud storage full. So that's my little, that's my little iCloud storage rant. I I just checked. I pay two ninety nine and it gives me two hundred gigabytes. So the, yeah, the 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 tiers are kind of kind of crappy. So you get for ninety nine cents you get fifty gigabytes. So that's fine. For two ninety nine you get two hundred gigabytes and that's fine. But then from two ninety nine it jumps to nine ninety nine and you get two terabytes. You know there's no in between. That would be nice to have like another tier in between for one terabyte. I think right. I think that would. Uh, Kind of makes sense. Um, well, what are you What are you using that storage for, though? My photos, my photo iCloud photo library. I see. I thought iCloud photo library didn't count against it. Oh yes, it does. It does. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. For some reason, I was thinking that was totally separate. I just didn't count against it. No, no, no. It, it does count. So okay. I have that, and I have, of course, my the backups of my devices. But these don't take too much space. But that's really the bulk of it is iCloud photo library for me. Man, I thought I would be forever. I was going to be good on this five gigs. I was like, whatever, Apple. You know, I save everything locally. I offload my photos every so often to my MacBook. Um, and then I offload those every once in a while to external backup drives. Uh, but uh, they got me. They, they got wore you. me down. Yeah. Systematically wore me down. Even at the end, I was just like, I can't believe I'm now a fan of do-. You know, it's only a dollar. It makes, you know, no difference to me. It's not, it's a dollar. But it's... A dollar a month, and I just know that Apple got me. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. it's about that monthly subscription. Yeah, recurring money. Yeah, I mean, and we knew it. We know it. They just keep banging that services drum, like, "Oh, our services 
you know, department is now the size of a Fortune 100 company. Cool, Tim. Can't <laughs> wait to give you another, give you two more dollars a month. You know, who knows how long this 50 gigs is going to last. Uh, well, if you don't use iCloud Photo Library, you should be good for a long time, I think. Even if you do, right. I, and unless you have thousands of, like, tens of thousands of photos, uh, you should be good for a while. My photos are mostly, it's like 80% screenshots and then like 20% shots of my dog. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I don't need, don't need that stuff. But uh, I'll let you know how it goes. I'll let you know how the uh, 50 gigs holds up within the next year or so. I still can't believe that that's where Apple's at. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. five gigs for free and that's it. Apple, come on. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> Please. You launch into an hour-long rant and all of a sudden... Yeah, it's, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, with that, we can wrap this up, I think, right? Yes, we can. And we can definitely thank our sponsor, Blinkist. Uh, this episode was brought to you by Blinkist. The Blinkist app takes the key takeaways from thousands of best-selling nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes for you to read or listen to 10 million people are using Blinkist right now. It has a massive and growing library from self-help and business to health and history books. Right now, you can get 25% off your first year at Blinkist.com slash iOS. Again, that's Blinkist.com slash iOS. Awesome, my friend. Well, um, it's been a blast. Some might even say this might be the best episode of 2019. Um, I feel like we have a draft coming up. Is that you think that's going to be next week, or you think we still got a couple more weeks? We, I think we got a couple more weeks. Yeah, maybe two weeks, right? Because I mean, we're in the back half of August, yeah. and if we're expecting this event to be in the first week or two of September, I think September twelfth is the date I keep hearing. Um, but yeah, so look, you know, people out there that like those types of episodes, look forward to that in the next, uh, I would say, two or three weeks. Yep. And the good thing is, it looks like we're going to have a nice uh, soundtrack to go with. Yeah, nice little new, uh, it, it, new it, 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 fantasy. Let's, let's not say anything no more. Let's no say nothing no more. <laughs> 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 now that we've built like interest and uh, <laughs> excitement, people are yeah. going to be at the edge of their seats wondering what we're talking about, what it might sound like, who made it. <laughs> is there going to be a, an appearance by uh, Usher? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Charles Barkley? I don't know. <laughs> you'll, just have to, you'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> All right, friend. Uh, talk to you next week. I'll be here. Bye.